You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. And make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Rita. Oh, I tell you, I'm liking this. Well, I'll tell you, Pastor's right. I've been revved for this message for a long time. You know, sometimes when you speak, I can't speak for Pastor Aaron or Pastor Robert, but sometimes messages come hard, okay? They come hard sometimes. This one came easy tonight. The Lord told me what to speak on. I got to speak Wednesday night, and that one came easy. So I've been all charged up all week over this message, and I hope it moves you. But then I've been even more moved since I watched the news yesterday. How many of you saw that some rabbis come over here to the U.S. of A. and took five red heifers back to Israel? Does that mean anything to anybody? Does that mean anything to anybody? Come on now. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I'm going to speak on Wednesday night is a red heifer. Okay, but tonight I'm excited about tonight's message, but you know, before I get started, I always like to do something a little funny. Okay, so um, uh, this mother was washing her dishes and she was looking out the window and she saw her little five-year-old son play in church. And buddy, he was just preaching up a storm. He didn't have any congregation, but he was just preaching up a storm. And she was so proud as she was washing those dishes. She's so proud. Then all of a sudden she hears this noise and she says, what is all of that squalling and carrying on out there? So she looks out the window and she ran outside and she says, what are you doing? He said, I'm baptizing this cat. And she said, cats don't like water. Get him out of that water. He don't want to be baptized. And the little five-year-old looked up and said, well, he should have thought of that before he joined my church. Well, tonight I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. Before I read that, would any of you be honest enough and transparent enough to say that you have either been depressed or in a mess, that you've been in a mess for such a long time, a certain kind of a mess? that you don't know how to get out of, that you're tackling something that you've tackled for a long time? Is there anybody that would just raise your hand and say, I'm having some issues, I'm depressed, I'm having problems, and I've had them for a while? Is there anybody? Well, we've got a few honest people in the church tonight. This message is for somebody tonight, okay? In 1 Samuel 16:1, it says... The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Look at your neighbor and say, how long? How long are you going to stay in the mess you're in? Look at your other neighbor and say, get up, be on your way. Okay, the title of my message tonight is, Get With The Program. Now, there was two or three titles I wanted to give it or could have given it, 
but you're going to see why I gave it this title, Get With The Program, okay? Now, have you ever grieved or mourned over the loss of something or someone? I have. The first person that I deeply mourned over was my father. He was the first to go. My sister and I were daddy's girls and I mourned over him and I, and I, I really grieved for a long time over the death of my father. So tonight I want you to know that I am not here making light or um, any less of a situation of people that are grieving or mourning over the loss of a loved one, whether it's death or divorce, whether it's a missed opportunity, or whether it's a missed promotion, or whatever it is, your health, your finances. I'm not here making light of that. And um, Becky Sands and I kind of head up the grief group here, and we meet every other Tuesday evening. And believe you me, sometimes when I leave, my heart is heavy. It's broken because I see so many tears. You know, sometimes some of the work that I do here, I do a lot of counseling. I see a lot of tears in grief. I see a lot of tears. I hear heavy hearts. And so I am not making light of that. Matter of fact, not long ago, I was sitting in my easy chair at home and the Lord spoke to me and said, my people have forgotten how to mourn. That's what I felt like he spoke to me. We don't mourn like grandma did. We don't mourn like great-grandma did. Do you remember when they used to take the deceased to the house? Do you remember when they used to have three days visitation? Do you remember when you could actually go to the funeral home and see tears, somebody crying? Now, you're lucky if you get three hours or even a graveside. And usually when you go to a grave, a a mortuary anymore or Amos Carvelli or one of the funeral homes, you don't even see many tears. I think that we have forgotten how to mourn properly. They mourned Moses for 40 days. Okay, so I am not making light. In Ecclesiastes 3, 4, it says that there is a time to grieve or mourn and there is a time to dance. So I am not here to making light. If you're going through something, I understand that. And there is a time to grieve. There is a time to shed tears. But then there does come a time you scurry to the closet and say they're here somewhere. I know they're here somewhere. What are you looking for? I'm looking for my dancing shoes. (laughs) Because it's time to put my dancing shoes on and it's time to dance. So I want you to picture Samuel in your mind. How do you think the old prophet Samuel looked like? I'm a visual person. When I prepare messages or when I do character studies, I like to picture someone in my mind. Picture Samuel in your mind. Okay, now Samuel was a man that knew God. And when he first heard God, he was just a little fella in the temple. And he was so young, when he laid down to bed at night, he heard the voice of God, and he didn't even know who it was or recognize the voice of God. And I thought as I prepared this, it took the young ears to hear it, but it took the old, old ears to interpret. So, you know, we need the young and we need the old. Okay, so he ran to to the priest Eli and said, you know, what's going on here? And Eli explained to him And one verse of scripture that I like that I don't have up front tonight is 
It said that one time that God uncovered the ear of Samuel and whispered secrets in his ear. God whispered his secrets. Wouldn't you like to have that relationship with him? Well, we know that Samuel had a bit of a relationship with Saul too, the first king of Israel. He anointed him as first king of Israel. He prophesied to him. He traveled with him some and this sort of thing. And now Saul has been rejected and God is having a conversation with the old prophet, Samuel, and he says, Samuel, and these are the words that have rung in my my spirit for weeks now. How long? How long are you going to mourn Saul? How long? He said, it is time to get up. Find your horn and fill it full of oil and be on your way. Now that was pretty firm, wasn't it? He said, get up, get up. Carrie in the praise scene would say, get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. He said, get up, you've mourned him long enough. How long have you mourned over certain things in your life, certain situations, certain people, certain relationships, certain jobs? How long have you mourned? Some people let things in their past destroy their present and their future. They just drag it right along with them. And the Lord says tonight, how long are you going to do that? Now, I tried to do some research, and I did some research, and I found out that no one knows exactly how long Samuel mourned and grieved for Saul, but I do know this. Most of the commentaries say that it could have been up as long as 10 years. 10 years. So finally, one day, God had had it. And God looked at him, and he said, boy, How long are you going to stay in this state and grieve over this? Get up. Find your horn and fill it full of oil. How many of you know that some of us have lost our horn and some of us need to put some oil, and which represents joy. Some of you have lost your joy. You know, we sing joy, 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 and we've got faces that hang clear to our knees. Where is the joy? Okay, and not only that, but joy represents the Holy Ghost. A lot of times we call him the Holy Spirit, but anymore, I like to call him the Holy Ghost. Okay, now we need a dose of the ghost, don't we? We need people to find their horn and fill it full of oil. And you don't hear much about the Holy Ghost anymore. You don't hear much about the blood anymore. You don't hear much about some of the things that grandma and grandpa and the old timers used to preach about. Uh, There's nothing wrong with the old ways. Uh, You know, I was thinking, I was preparing this message. We've heard this time and time again, how they used to, people would be shouting in these old Methodist churches. I've never seen any shouting Methodists myself, but uh, people used to have you, okay, they were shouting Methodists, and they say they used, grandma would be slaying on the floor, they'd have to pick grandma up and put her to the back of a, of a horse and a wagon and put her back in the wagon and take grandma home, and she was still shouting all the way. I said, wouldn't it be nice if we came to church now in Joy City, and we were, our horn was so full of oil, our horn was so full of the Holy Ghost, uh, that we'd have to load grandma back in the pack of, back of a Ram Dodge truck uh, and take her home, uh, shouting glory all the way shouting all the way home. Wouldn't that be nice? I tell you, we have lost some of the old past and the old ways. The old prophet, he talked with him and he said, how long? And then he went on to say, you know, boy, you got work to do. He said, I want you to go down to Jesse's house. Take that horn. 
take the horn, fill it full of oil, and go to Jesse's house, one of his kids, his youngest boy, that one that's least expected, that's out watching daddy's sheep, he's gonna be the next king of Israel. I need you to anoint him. And that's where I got my title. God says, in other words, I'm paraphrasing. He said, Samuel, you're holding up my agenda. You know, I need you to go to Jesse's house. There's things you have to do. He said, take your horn, go down there, diddy bop down there and anoint that kid, pour his, that oil all over his head. There's things God wants you to do and sometimes we are holding up his program because we are busy living in the past. We are grieving over things that could have been or should have been. We are mourning and God cannot get our attention but tonight he says to you, how long? Are you going to do that? And I wake up in the morning. This morning, my cat got me up about 15 to 4. And she was hitting my face. And when I woke up, I thought, how long? This message has just been burning on me. I felt like Jeremiah. You know, when the king said, Jeremiah, you better shut up. He said, I've tried to shut up. But he said, it's like a fire in my bones and I can't shut up. And that's how I felt. How long are we going to stay in a stagnant state? How long are we going to stay in a lukewarm state? He will spew you out of his mouth. You're either hot or you're either cold. You're either saved or you're either lost. Okay, there is no in between. How long? And God says, you're messing up my agenda. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? Don't, I think it's time that we quit crying over spilled milk. Okay, all right now. I've got some comments down here I want to read. There are people that are mourning a dead relationship where there is no resurrection of hope. The other party's moved on. Okay, we got a divorce group, okay? There's people in a divorce group, and once again, I am not making light. If you're not a member of a, a life group, I encourage you to do that, because when a spouse leaves and walks away, there's pain, there's hurt, and it has to be dealt with. But I'm saying, how long do we mourn, okay? There's childhood failures, you know? So I do so much counseling, and thank God we brought Michelle aboard, and Michelle shares that with me, and she does a lot of counseling too and we share the counseling together and when some people come into our office they really have issues they need help we begin with prayer and we close with prayer we counsel scripturally we give them material good excellent material and we work with these people and then there are some people that come in and when they tell me their problem I have to I thought, You're, this, that brought you here today? <laughs> that brought you here today? Why don't you get up, grab your horn, and be on your way? I mean, you know, some, I mean, some people are just, you know, some people are still dealing with the fact, you know, my mother didn't breastfeed me. How old are you? Well, I will be 45 on my birthday. Well, get over it. If mommy didn't breastfeed you, get on with the program. You know, how long is pastor going to mourn? Because Nina is the favorite of Bob and Anna and not him. How long is pastor going to mourn? When is he going to get over that? How many of you know that Nina's the favorite tonight, okay? So how long is pastor going to mourn? I'm saying, how long are we going to grieve over some of the things that we grieve, okay? Mourning a long time will not change your situation. It's not going, it's going to affect your present. It's going to affect your future. God says, get up and be on your way. As pastor would say, some of us get our highs by being low, okay? 
So we don't dare, I know, I don't dare ask some people how they are. Because unless you've got three, three days, it's come some vacation time, you don't want to know how they are because they'll tell you. Usually if someone asks me how I am, lately I've been saying I'm hungry. Okay, I'm blessed, okay? We must learn to navigate through the valley of grief because God has a program. Are you holding up the program of God? Sometimes we're grieving when God's got something better for us. What he'd like to do is just kick us in the rear, give us a boot and say, grow up, get up and be on your way. You need some joy. You need some Holy Ghost. You need some power in your life, okay? Now, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to John chapter 4. Now, this is not going to be my message, but I'm just going to pass through Samaria like Jesus did, okay? I'm just going to pass through, and when I go to John chapter 5, you're going to know why I stopped at John chapter 4, okay? Here's Jesus. He leaves the crowd. Now, Jesus, too, is hungry. Okay, and the disciples were hungry. They went one way to go to McDonald's to get them something to eat. Okay, and Jesus went another way. He said, you boys go ahead and get something to eat. I must needs go through Samaria. Okay, and he goes to this woman. We know this, and I'm not going to stay here. He goes, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, this woman comes to the well. He's waiting on her. Okay, she's been set up. Okay, this is a trap for her. And... Really, men were her downfall, okay? She checks this dude out. He's a young, good-looking Jewish guy, you know, and all of a sudden, he opens his eyes, and, and she sees, he sees her staring, okay? So and all of a sudden, she takes her bucket, and she's going to get some water. We know the story. And he says, would you give me a drink? And uh, then it, we know the conversation. The only thing that I want to stop about here is uh, maybe he thought to himself, how long are you going to put up with the treatment that you're getting and put up with all of the guys and put up with the situation you're in. How long are you going to do that? Okay. And then he looked at her and he said, now I know you got a bucket. You've come for some water. But he said, when you put that bucket down in the whale, he says, you're going to take a drink in a little bit, but in a few more minutes, you're going to get thirsty. You're going to get thirsty again. I can see him now. Picture it any way you want to picture it. It had to happen something like this. I can see this good-looking Jewish guy, Jesus, stand to his feet. I can see the love in his eyes as he stares at the Samaritan woman. And then he says, look at me. As Pastor said last week, fasten your eyes on me. Look inside me. And then he looks at her and he makes a statement. He said, I am water. I am water. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. The conversation continued. And as it continued, then she did drink of that water. And in John 4, 29, it said she ran back into Samaria, waving both arms. She had forgotten that she had been ostracized. She had forgotten her situation because her situation was changed now. She was out of that situation. And you know what she said? Come see a man. And all the women said, well, that's probably a, that's her, her usual message. Okay, come see a man, she said, who told me all things ever I did is not this the Christ. He changed her life. But just one chapter over is where I want to camp a little bit. Okay? Um, this man, John chapter 5, is the man lying, laying at the pool of Bethesda. And I'm just going to throw this in. Bethesda means house 
of mercy. Now, anytime you see the word B-E-T-H, Beth, in the scriptures, it means house of. Okay, like Bethesda is house of mercy. Bethsaida is house of fish. Bethlehem is house of bread. So he, here lies this man. There's five porches. I've been to the pool of Bethesda. And you can believe this or not, but anybody that's been there, you can still feel the presence of Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. It was one of my very favorite places. It's all broke up. It doesn't look like it did in the days of Jesus, but it's still the pool of Bethesda. And as I stood there, I actually wondered, I wonder which one of these five porches did this particular man lie on? And I've said this before, so please, it bears repeating, but if you've heard it, I can see Jesus now. The disciples are watching him. All of their eyes are glued and fastened on this Messiah as he steps over the leper. Then he steps over a blind man. He steps over a deaf, dumb man. He's uh, he steps over all of these people that are laying there, and he goes to one man. Now, the scriptures do not give him a name, <laughs> but I named him. Okay, he goes to Bubba, okay, and he sees Bubba laying here at the pool of Siloam, and you know what? You, what's the first question he asks? How long? Bubba, how long you been laying here, boy? How long have you been in this shape? How long? Bubba looks up. He didn't realize whose eyes he was looking into. He didn't realize from whence whose lips this question fell. How long have you laid here? He said, 38 years. Bubba said, 38 years. I can just see Jesus. Now, when Jesus asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Okay, it's because he wants you to hear the answer. He said, 38 years. I can almost hear the conversation. 38 years? That's almost four decades. He said, how long are you going to lay here? You know, and that's what I just want to repeat to you tonight, those of you that are in certain situations. I don't know your situation. How long are you going to stay locked in a situation? Pastor had me to listen to Bishop Clark's a message the other day, and I know the one line that caught his attention caught my attention too. Sometimes Jesus wants us to go through a temporary situation, and we make a permanent situation out of the temporary situation. We get kind of comfortable in our own misery. You know, we get comfortable where we're at, okay? And I know that Bishop Clark also says sometimes you can be locked in a room with doors, with open doors. Many of us are locked in a room with open doors. You could get out if you wanted to. There's multiple doors that you could head out, but we're comfortable where we at. Are you comfortable where you at? He said, how long have you been here, Bubba? And Bubba, and then he asked him another question. He said, Bubba, do you even want to be made whole? Do you even want to get healed? And Bubba didn't say yes. You know what he said? He offered an excuse, okay? It's somebody else's fault. I have no man to put me in the water. Now, I thought to myself, if I were in that situation, I don't think. Now, I can't say this. I know I can't. 
But I don't think I'd lay there 38 years. I think I'd get as close to the pool as I could and slip one hand just right here. And if I'm, even if a bird went over and made a deposit and I saw a ripple, I'd try, to, I'd, I'd try to get in that moving water, okay? And I think even if I had one good leg and someone tried to beat me to the water, I'd kick him with my good leg, but I'd get in the water. Okay, I wouldn't lay there, I don't think, 38 years. Bubba laid there 38 years. How long are you going to wallow in your mess? How long are you going to stay in that situation? How long are you going to stay bankrupt and poor? How long are you going to be there? Okay, so then I, he said, I have no man to put me in the water. In other words, he said, you know, I'm kind of comfortable here. I mean, I bet Bubba knew what night bingo was. I bet Bubba knew what the menu was every night. Someone had to come feed them people. Someone fed him. He was alive for 38 years. He knew what night they were going to have falafas and, and all of these other things. He knew, he knew the whole schedule. He knew who sang what part in the pool choir. He knew, he knew everything. He knew all about the pool of Bethesda. He knew it all because 38 years, the routine didn't change much. Okay, he got comfortable in routine. You and I can get comfortable in routine. But I want to tell you, I have been so stirred with this music. I hope somebody tonight gets so stirred that you get out of your routine. Get out of your comfort zone. Step out of your misery and do something. If you want something you've never had, you got to do something you've never done. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. I mean, we got to do something. We can't just sit there and look pretty. Well, some of us just sit there. But you can't, we got to do something, okay? So here's the thing that I, here's why we stopped at John chapter 4. Now, I, this might turn you, not turn you on. It might not float your boat, but this floated my boat. It was kind of a little revelation I had one morning when I was having devotions. I like this. He said, I can't get to the water. And Jesus said, I am water. When you can't get to the water, the water will come to you. How many of you know when you can't get to Jesus, Jesus will find a way to get to you. I'm telling you, I don't care how low the pit is. I don't care how far down you have sunk. I don't care what type of sin you're in. I don't care what your death, debt is or what your doctor told you. When you can't get to Jesus, Jesus will make his way to you. And so he said, hey, you're in luck today, Bubba, because you don't have to get to the water. The water has come to you and then he looked at him and he said stand up get up get up that's the same thing he told Samuel get up don't lay there and waller 38 years is long enough 38 days is long enough let alone 38 years get up and move on and then he made him be a part of his own miracle you tonight need to be a part of your own miracle, your own deliverance, your own salvation. He said, stand up. Now, Bubba probably said, I'm sorry, he probably said this, John, it just, John didn't record it. 
Okay, he probably said, oh, look at my legs, they're atrophied. I'm going to need Davy Donaldson to come and give me some physical therapy. I mean, look, they're withered. Look, I need help. But there was something about the command and the tone of the voice of the Messiah, of the Son of God, and it's not changed. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said, get up, pick up your bed. It probably stinks, might have a few bugs in it and might be damp from all of where everybody else has jumped in the pool but you roll up your mat and be on your way I'm telling you what happened that day was nothing short of a miracle and I'm telling you he walked out and those that could see the death and, and, and the maim and the lepers they could see him walk out and they said well there he goes he won't be eating no more falafas on three Wednesday evening and there he goes well we just lost a good bingo partner there he goes. I mean, he left after 38 years. Okay, so what I'm telling you, if he's been in that mess 38 years, that's longer than some of you tonight, not all of you, most not all of my friends, but most of you have been alive. My friends, we've all been around more than 38 years. Okay, so he walks out, and I'm amazed. The disciples said, Jesus, wow. Why didn't you clear the pool? Why didn't you just speak the word? Why didn't you just do something and clear the pool? And Jesus said, well, I'll just do what dad tells me to do. i just do what my father tells me to do. He just told me to go to this one man that had been there 38 years and, and say to Bubba, how long? How long are you going to lay here? How long? Okay. Now, I like to picture it like this. I like to picture maybe in the days of Jesus, let's just say, let's just say, walking down uh, Capernaum one day, you're walking down this dusty road, and you see a fig tree over here on your right, and it's all dead and dried up to the root. I mean, this fig tree is just withered and, and, and dried up, and you go down here, and over here, you see a crutch. And then you go down the road a little bit further, and there lying in the, in the dust is somebody's tin cup where the blind man didn't need it anymore. You see the beggar's coat. It's laying there by the tin cup. You go on down the road, and there's the yucky bandages of an old leper. You didn't even want to touch him. And when you get to the end of the street, and you look back and see all the clutter, the tin cups and the beggar's coat and all of the, the bandages and the rags and the dried-up fig tree, and you say, what on earth happened here today? And some guy comes out with eyes great big and a smile great big. He said, haven't you heard? Today Jesus passed by and Jesus touched people. He healed them. He cursed the fig tree. He did this and he did that. I'm telling you, tonight Jesus wants to pass by Jewel City Church and he wants to go in and out up all of these seats and he wants to touch you. And if you've been laying in your miserable condition, he says, taps you on the shoulder, says, Psst, I'm talking to you. How long, how long have you laid here? Okay, so another thing I wanted to get to, across to you tonight is, and I'm just about finished, okay? I just want to take you, because this was a pattern of Jesus. He would go see single people out, and he started with a conversation, he loves you. He wants to change your situation. I don't care what it is. He wants you happy. And you know, ever since I, I found out 
Can I take a quick bunny trail if I just take it two minutes? This, this is not in my notes and it's not homiletically correct or hermeneutically correct, but I want to tell you something. Do you know that there's only been nine red heifers? Nine red heifers since Numbers 19. Moses offered the first red heifer and you need a red heifer before you can have purification and you need purification before you can build the temple. The Jews are getting ready. Now this heifer's just a little over a year old. That's all. But she has to be two years and one day old. Two years and one day. When she's two years old and one day old, they're going to slaughter her, not sacrifice. They're going to slaughter her and burn her and get her ashes, and the priests are going to purify themselves. Do you know that the Jews have not really been purified since 70 AD? They've had no red heifer. They've had no temple. The second temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. The Jews are about to build their third temple, and when that 10th heifer comes in, you're going to see it. I mean, I think we're going to see this. Is it not amazing that you and I are living in this days? If I've just got a few days left, I don't want to live them laying by the pole, atrophied. I want to get up and shout and fill my horn full of oil. I want to blow my trumpet. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I want to be full of gladness and joy. I don't want to be some weak Christian. He's not coming back for a weak church. He's coming back for a strong. He's coming back for someone that knows how to fight. He's coming back for someone who's not going to lay for 38 years. He's coming back for a spotless bride. I tell you, I say often that we sing the song, we stand and say, onward Christian soldiers, and we march around like a bunch of disabled veterans. I say it's time to rise and shine, for this is our time, church. This is our time. And I say to you tonight, let the church be the church. Okay, Jesus said, I'd rather you be lukewarm. I'd rather you, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. Okay, so what I'm saying to you tonight is that it's time. I'm telling you, they're getting ready to build this temple. Do you know that this 10th red heifer will usher in the Messiah? Read it. Okay, read it in numbers. So they found the 10th heifer. I don't know about you, but that floats my boat. I, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. There's something wrong with you because they're about to build the temple. And you know that then that temple has to be intact for the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Okay. Well, also the last three and a half, but the, the Antichrist will enter the first three and a half years. I'm telling you, this is exciting stuff. I've always believed it. I always knew it was there, but I never thought I'd see it. Okay, we're seeing it. So that's why I'm saying this message excites me even more. If you're here tonight and you're depressed, get up. 
If you're here tonight and you're bound by habits or desires, or if you're struggling through life, hey, you don't have much more time. I say get up and enjoy life. Have a blast while you last. Okay, do something. Suck the Mara out of life. Let's get excited about being alive. Like Pastor said, if you got up this morning and you can dress yourself, I know plenty of people that can't. I know people that are laying paralyzed from their neck down. They can't do anything but move their eyes from side to side. That's all they can do. Sometimes Carrie goes and sings for her, and I go over and visit her. I know people, we just had a dinner the other night. I worked radiology for 40 years. We had a radiology dinner. One girl came, and she was a paraplegic. Her husband had to come with her to feed her. One girl came, and she was a, 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 a quadriplegic. I'm telling they were in wheelchairs, and they had colostomy bags. I'm telling you tonight, if you can brush your teeth and drive a car and just yourself, you are one blessed individual. And there's no need to lay by the pool for 38 years. I say rise, take up your bed, and walk. Fill your horn full of oil. Fill your horn full of the Holy Ghost. Because the hour is short. They found the 10th heifer. Does that excite you? It excites me. And I want to live all the days of my life. Okay, in conclusion, I want to say... How long? How long? As I was preparing this, I thought, some of us need to go to the shed, find our way to the shed. I know my way to the shed. Mama took me there enough. <laughs> Mama took me there enough. See, I'm not really big here. I'm still swollen. <laughs> okay. That's, that's what, I'm still swollen, okay? And I, and I tell you, now we have parents, and I say this all the time. Johnny, do you want to go to church tonight? Johnny's only four years old. Johnny, do you want to go to church this morning? No, Mommy. You know what my mother said? You're going to church if you like it or not. You're going to church. And I went to church, and I was glad I did. I'm telling you, what we need is we need to grow up in Jesus. Put on your big girl pants. Put on your big boy pants and let's grow up in the Lord, okay? We need to find our way to the shed and get ourselves a shovel. And we need to dig a hole and bury the past and put up an epitaph. And I looked up epitaph. It's a brief statement epitomizing something dead, something of the past. Some of you that are hanging on to the past some of you that hang on, and some of you, I'd like to talk to some of you parents. You know, Pastor Aaron and I were talking the other day. I'm going to say this. For years, I was an evangelist. You can say things as an evangelist that you can't say as a pastor. Okay, you, can't, you, you just can't, couldn't get by with it. But you know what they say about evangelists? They blow in, blow up, and blow out. Okay, so that's what we do. We blow in, blow up, and blow out. Okay, but I know people that, that have kids 35 and 40 years old, and mom and dad's still paying their bills. Mom, they're laying on the couch, and mom and dad still carries supper to them. Mom and dad's raising their children. Shame on you, mom and dad. Kick Bubba out. Kick Junior out. Tell them to grow up, get a job. You know, if you want a C-A-R, you got to get a J-O-B. Boy, I'm well tonight. (laughs) 
I just counsel so many people. You know, I, I, somewhere between Proverbs 31 and Medea, that's me. <laughs> Don't you just want to look at some people and slap them? Just slap some sense into them. Well, if you can't afford to make your car payment and Bubba's car payment, let Bubba walk. He's 40 years old. There's nothing wrong with Bubba. Church, if you realized how short the time is, if you realized how little time we have left, and I believe that persecution may be coming, we got to get rooted. We got to get grounded. As pastor would say, suit up. Show up for battle. Suit up. Take your place on the battlefield. Plant your feet. You know, I spoke the other night on the phone and I spoke on we need to buy oil. Invest in oil. I'm talking about oil for your lamp. Okay, you need some oil. Sometimes I just fall on my knees and I say, Lord, I've come to get some oil. I need some oil, extra oil. I don't want enough just to shine through the night. But I want some just-in-case oil. I want some, I dare you, devil. I just dare you, devil. Oil. So, Saint, tonight, if I could leave you with anything, I would leave you with, how long? How long are you going to stay in your situation? Never complain about what you permit. Okay? Don't complain. If you permit it, don't complain about it. If you can change it, change it. If you can't, go to a Jesus and let Jesus, the miracle worker, change it for you. So tonight, that's what I'm going to leave you with. How long? And I'm going to leave you with the title of my message. Church, get with the program. Jesus said, Samuel, God said, get with the program. He said to Bubba, get with the program. He said to the gate, the man that was laying at the gate, beautiful. He had laid there from womb, come from a dysfunctional home. How many people have I counseled that came from a dysfunctional home? And that's what I said. Maybe they did. I did not come from a dysfunctional home. Joyce Meyer said, if you came up from a home where you never went to bed hungry, you had clothes and you went to school, you had a mother and a father, you were never sexually abused, you are blessed. How many kids cannot say that? But there's people that are 50 and 16 years old that say, you know, my mother had to work and she is never home. Well, that was 60 years ago. Can we move on? So I'm just asking you to evaluate and examine your situation. Rise up. Get with the program. God bless you. Would you bow your heads, please? I want to ask tonight, I don't know if this was what you would call a salvation message or not, but if there's anybody here that is visiting tonight, Maybe you came with someone and you don't know Jesus. I'm asking you tonight, if you don't know where you stand spiritually, I'm going to bury a young woman next Saturday. She had cancer. And about a year ago, I looked her eyeball to eyeball and I said, are you ready to die? 
She gave her heart and life to Jesus. Tonight, are you ready? Do you know Jesus? Is there anybody here? Usually on a Sunday night, most of us know Jesus. But would you raise your hand and say, I don't know Jesus and I'd like to change my situation tonight. Is there anybody? Okay. Is there anybody here tonight? You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody. I'm just asking, you've been in a situation for a long time. You, and you, you went out tonight. Is there anybody that the Lord would have to look at you and say, how long are you going to mourn? How long are you going to grieve? Is there anybody? I know there's somebody. I know that. I, can't, I don't know who you are, but I know there is. But I see that hand. I see that hand and that hand. There are several hands going up now. I knew you were here because this was the message, and you should feel extremely loved tonight, and you should feel extremely confident tonight that Jesus is here to change your situation. He will converse with you tonight as he conversed with the people that I spoke about and said, how long are you going to stay in this situation? Get with the agenda. I got a program for you. I got something for you to do. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. 